Hello. What's up, homie? What up? How are you today? No, I'm alive, so that's something. It's something that you wish we should strive for on a daily basis. Yes. Yeah, I think it's something that like we all should try to do. It doesn't come easy. Like some days you wake up and you look in the mirror and you say to yourself, "You got a lot of audacity being here today, buddy." Yes. <laughs> you know what? Good on ya. Good on ya, partner. <laughs> you, got, you got a lot of balls waking up alive today. <laughs> <laughs> it's a human one out here. Andre, would you say that I have big dick energy? You know what? You actually do. You got you got <gasps> you got big dick energy. And it's palpable. You can feel it in the air. <laughs> you walk into a room and the first thing I notice is your giant <laughs> your dick. <laughs> it's like like remember the uh the Long Island medium? Yeah. Like she'll walk into a room and like, just put her hands in the air to feel the energy. It's like you do that around you, it's like I just feel nothing but dick. I just feel a huge the big dick in this area. All I feel are 12 inches just coming straight at me. 12 inches of nothing but pure energy. It's somewhere in this area. (laughs) It's telling me something. I just want people to know I go above and beyond. I bring 12 inches to everything that I do in my life. And if if your big, thick energy had a voice, it would sound like G-Eazy. Yeah. (laughs) It's like a real trashy big, thick energy, but it's still like rich. It's bougie. Nothing has ever described me better. Like a little <laughs> trashy, but still bushy. I have like a friend of a friend who went to college with G Easy, and he, he was like, "Yeah, no, nah, he was like a total loser." <laughs> like this is just a persona. He actually ain't shit. Not surprised in the least, to you be honest. <laughs> so I bought a new RV. That's right. I should do that, right? The RV. Yeah, an RV. Like a big old camper. I saw pictures of it on Facebook. It looks nice. Yeah, I cannot wait to go in there and go to sleep. See, I'm kind of, I'm kind of upset that I bought it halfway through my deployment because now it's like I can't use it. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Where is it? It's just chilling at your dad's house. Yeah, and my dad was like, "Oh, the toilet works," and I was like, "How do you know that?" <laughs> he was like, "You don't want to know." <laughs> You're like, stay out of my RV. He was like, oh, you can always awesome here. I'm gonna stay here all summer. I was like, no, I don't don't do things in there. Yeah, you're like, please do not use it. Just let it lie. I know, I know what he's gonna do. He's like, he's 46, single, and a hoe. So And a hoe. Oh, my dad's a hoe for sure. He's only 46? Yeah, my dad's my parents are young. Underneath that beard. It's a 46-year-old man. Who knew? Yeah, it makes him look older. But you know what's funny? It does. It does. He started, like, going gray when he was, like, 30. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. So he always, like, dyed his hair black and shit. And then one day, I was like, you should stop doing that. He was like, no, it's embarrassing. I was like, you you gotta just let it go, man. This is you. And he embraced it. Now look at him. For those of you listening who don't know Andre's dad, what you have to understand is that the thirst is real. Every girl <laughs> online is thirsting after this 46-year-old man. I posted one He's picture of my daddy. dad on Facebook. Yeah, I posted one picture of my dad on Facebook. It was all like, over. Yeah, everyone just went crazy. 
And like they're Everyone commenting, lost it for Papa Dre. Yeah, and they're, they're commenting on the picture, not really like realizing that my dad's like tagged in the picture, and he's like, and he starts commenting <laughs> back, and then that's when everyone really lost it. Seeing Andre's dad flirting with all these random young girls online gave me life. <laughs> like I was not prepared for this man to swoop in with all of this game. It was a sight to behold. It was the most embarrassing thing that ever happened. To me. <laughs> I can't take him anywhere. And I, I can't even take him online. <laughs> I can't even take you on Facebook. Uh, so let's introduce ourselves. I am Andre Matthews. I'm Angeline Galloway. And this is Bros of Murder, a little podcast we do to highlight true crime cases that affect people of color. We also play you some sick-ass beats. Now, well, this week's episode, at least for my story, features a member of the LGBT community. Wow, there's a lot of letters in that. I'm say queer. <laughs> it features a queer person, and this week's music feature will be from a queer band, because this was supposed to and pride so this is us wrapping up pride i hope you got drunk hope you got laid i hope you did it all safely <laughs> and consensually this is kind of like pride extended edition director's yeah, cut well can you know what month it is after because after pride month it's called gay wrath and that's when shit gets dark <laughs> so we're in the month of wrath. wait what is it called it's called gay wrath, wrath? yeah wrath Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm here for it. Yeah, okay. Give me all that. Yeah, because first there's pride, and then after that, there's wrath. So this month, we're going to be flipping right. flies over, throwing burning toilet paper into windows. <laughs> yeah, this is the month where we burn it all to the ground. It's go- yeah, it's going to get dark. <laughs> but it's still going to be fun. <laughs> we're going to burn everything down in a fun rainbow way. Oh, I imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's on flame, but it's actually really aesthetic. <laughs> Aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here for this wrath. <laughs> I would say that's like a great description of my life is just everything's burning, but it's aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, keeping it cute, but still just burning it down to the ground. <laughs> But rest assured, it is on fire. <laughs> it looks pretty from a distance, but you will get burned. <laughs> All right, so uh, I'll go first this week. And okay. uh, a lot of the words and names I'll be saying are from... Okay, this this case it happens in Brazil, and I do not speak Portuguese. I failed Spanish. I can't roll my R's. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> I'm gonna try my hardest not to butcher these like street names and stuff. So just you, you bear with me. Okay. My case is about a queer woman, a feminist, a real staple, a socialite, like just a bomb ass chick who is Afro-Brazilian. I realize that some people don't aren't aware of like, you know, Afro-Latinos, Afro-Brazilian. Afro, like, Chilean. Yeah, black people are, like, everywhere, okay? Yeah. <laughs> we out here. We out here. We spread, we spread far and wide. <laughs> over this great, great land. So, yeah, she's Afro-Brazilian. <laughs> and on March 14th, 2018, while in a car after delivering a speech, one of many powerful speeches that she delivers... Her name was Marcella Franco, and her driver were shot multiple times and killed by two murderers in another vehicle. 
and this was in North and Rio de Janeiro. Franco had been outspoken critic of police brutality and extrajudicial killings because in Brazil, gangs and gang violence and like paramilitary all like woven into politics. So, right, she's one of the people who's like really outspoken against that and really just about like, hey, what you guys are doing is fucked up. Uh, so she was outspoken on the latest case of police brutality as well as the 2018 federal intervention by Brazil's president at the time, which resulted in the deployment of the army police operations. So kind of like martial law light, <laughs> which is never okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> In no. March of this year, two former police officers were arrested and charged with her murder. So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to get into her because she has a great story and further into the case. So Franco was raised in Mara, a slum in northern Rio de Janeiro, where she also resided for most of her life and started working to contribute to her household in 1990 when she was only 11. So from a young kid, she's already working because that's what she had to do. Because, you know, you grew up in a slum. We need, we need right. Food. She gave birth to her first and only child when she was 19 year old, and this was in 1998. Uh, Franco raised her daughter without the father's help and worked as a preschool teacher, making only minimum wage. In uh, 2000, she began her pre-university studies. So she's beginning her studies as a single mother, working woman in a poor area. And this she, this was following her close friend's death who died from a stray bullet in 2000. So during her studies, her friend died and this drove her to get into human rights activism because that death really affected her. In uh, 20, 2002, right. she entered a private Catholic university on a scholarship and continued working and raising her daughter as she earned her degree in social sciences. She went on to get a master's degree and for her master's thesis, it was called the reduction of the, I'm going to mess this word up, (laughs) Falva to three letters, which was basically just about retaking the streets back from like shitty law enforcement and gangs. So basically she wrote a thesis calling everybody out. (laughs) It's like, hey, the government and shit fucking up. <laughs> Fuck them. In more educated, polite manner. Uh, beginning in 2007, Franco worked as the state representative and a consultant and conducted the state legislation's committee for the defense of human rights and citizenship. Uh, she also worked for civil society organizations, including the Brazil Foundation and the Mara Center for Solitaire Earth in the Mara Center for Solidarity Studies and Actions. In 2016, she ran for seat on the Rio de Janeiro City Council in the municipal elections. As a black woman and a single mother from a poor slum, Franco positioned herself as a representative of the defender of poor black women from that area. So basically, like, she really represented the people. Uh, With over, like, 46,000 votes, Franco was one of the 51 people elected and she received she received the fifth highest vote in total of all fifteen hundred candidates. So out of all fifteen hundred candidates, she got like the fifth most highest vote because everyone was like, "Yeah, nah, she that bitch." <laughs> Put respect to her name. <laughs> and uh, as the city it. council member, Franco fought against gender violence. She fought for reproductive rights, and she was a chairwoman 
for uh, the Defense Commission, which was a four-person a four committee who monitored the federal intervention in Rio de Janeiro. So, like, early on, she made her stake about how gangs and government law enforcement's fucking up. So she made herself, she found the job to help, you know, investigate that and, like, kind of mitigate that. Like, she had a great driving force. Like, <laughs> she was about helping her community, and she, like, dedicated her entire life to just helping her community. Uh, she al- she also yeah. entered a bill to create a day of lesbian visibility in Rio de Janeiro, but it got voted down 19 and 17. But the effort was there. She wanted to have a whole day dedicated to lesbians. Like My kind of woman. That's saying something. Yeah, like that's a whole move. <laughs> so Franco was assassinated. And that's, that's what that was. It was an assassination. Uh, the execution of an elected politician and human rights activist in the city of Rio de Janeiro highlighted just how tightly interwoven crime and politics have become in Brazil's main cities. Yeah. And this is, yeah, this is like nothing new. It's been like this for a while now. And according to NGO Global Witness, more human rights activists are killed in Brazil than anywhere else in the world. And this is at a time when the country is once again showing a decline in social indicators. Well, yeah, in... When did you say that this happened? Because I know that they had an election not too long ago and kind of voted in their own more like extreme Trump type figure. So was this after that or? This assassination happened. Well, she died March 2018 and they found the, they like convicted the two people March 2019. Oh, okay. Yeah. So this was probably just before he was elected. Yeah, and like I know there's, a, there's like a whole bunch of shit happening down there right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And we know it's, I had to write a, a paper on something like this. I was doing a bunch of research about mm-hmm. it. And a lot of other countries have stakes in South America and are like sending troops secretly there. Like Russia secretly has people there training like these paramilitary folks and giving them weapons and shit. And I remember a couple of videos actually popped up on Twitter, like people were in the streets and they were showing like all these like random white soldiers that are like unidentified and then all those videos immediately got taken down off Twitter. So like everyone just like, yeah, no, like it's not just the, the, the government sending other people and help them. Like it's crazy. It's a bunch of shady, shady shit happening there. Right. But at a time like this, human rights defenders are something that should be like treasured and protected because they're the ones fighting for human rights. And they're getting assassinated for it. Uh, Franco was executed by a group known as the Crime Bureau, a shady and elusive organization which commits murders at the bidding of politicians, criminals, right-wing paramilitary, or anyone who has a couple thousand, that's our equivalent of thousand dollars, to pay for the murder of anyone they don't like. And if you're going to be like a secret shady organization, don't call yourself the Crime Bureau. That's really <laughs> on your fucking nose. Crime is literally in the name, folks. Yeah, crime is... (laughs) We are a bureau of crime. What do you do? Crime. (laughs) It's exactly what it sounds like. Exactly, yeah. There's there's no transparency. It's all transparency. (laughs) We do crime. Of all kinds. And at this time, they killed a very noble woman who stood up for the best of causes. She was an activist who put her life in political power the service of those who have been historically oppressed by society and who just want and need equality. 
and it's equality for gender, sex, like from top to bottom. Her and people like her were fighting to bring equality here. And these not so shady, shady organizations <laughs> are taking them out. Now, now, this would be like days leading up to her assassination. Franco mm-hmm. spoke out on Twitter against the police policy of Rio de Janeiro. And this is translated from Portuguese. So her tweet said, another homicide of a young man that could be credited to the, to the police. Matthew Melo was leaving church when he was killed. How many others will have to die for this war to end? So she tweeted that out. And then the next day, she attended a roundtable discussion titled Young Black Women Moving, which is about the empowerment of young black women. Uh, after she left that, less than two hours later, her and her, I think, I think it was like an assistant or like kind of like a manager, someone who helped, you know, who worked with her, she was killed. So, yeah, she commented on Twitter about this recent police death of a young black man in a poor neighborhood. And then she went to go discuss the empowerment of black women. Like, she was just yeah. doing great things. And then as soon after that, her and her, uh, they were leaving, they got in their car to go leave. And another car, like, kind of cut them off and started shooting rounds into their car. Uh, the men fired nine shots at them. Four struck Franco, three hit her in the head, and one hit her in the neck. So it's like these were marksmen. These weren't just like your random, you know, freaking Jills, like people on the street right. just got guns. This is actually, I mean, these were obviously trained professionals because that, that shot group was tight. Three in the neck and one in the head. Like, that yeah. was a tight shot group. They knew what they were doing. Like, so he was her, her press officer. That was next to her. So he was next to her. He was shot too, uh, but he survived his injuries. The president at the time, Marcelo Frasco, I think I butchered that name too. Uh, he he came to the scene shortly after the hearing, or after the hearing of her killing, and determined that the bullets had been directed at her in a clear execution style. According to police, there the direction of the nine shots supports the hypothesis that she was assassinated. Uh, the bullet that killed Franco are from a batch brought by the federal police in Barcelia. <laughs> so basically, these rounds came from guns that the police have. So that's how they linked it back to the initial murderers this year. In January 2019, police arrested Ronaldo Pablo Alvarez Pereira and issued a, a warrant for Arnaldo Magalis de Vera. And as both suspects in the assassination, each received honors from the president in 2000. So they were like, you know, well-established police officers and well decorated. In 2019, they were arrested. They were outed as former military police force officers. They were outed for like one of the people in their team kind of like spilled the beans on them, which got them arrested. One of them who was also, they didn't do the initial shooting, but they were kind of part of the whole planning, lived on the same street as the current president, not the current president, as the, the former president like three houses down from them, and they were kind of like personal friends. After the shooting and death happened and arrest, thousands took to the streets to coordinate protests all across Brazil. And a lot of people followed her steps and started taking office themselves. Like they really saw her as a model yeah. for the cause. And she left behind an amazing legacy. Uh, a digital art shop was held. It was titled Portraits of Merlia creating bridges between Kenya and Brazil because she was Afro, 
Brazilian. Her background was Kenyan. With a young Kenyan artist participating, well, young Kenyan artists were participating and they were just making artwork of her and they were displayed in this museum in Rio de Janeiro last year in November. But you can, I'll post some pictures on Instagram and Twitter and stuff like that. Like these kids really, like they did that. They made amazing portraits of her. And the Amnesty International campaign included Franco's name among their human rights and people lost. And they also held a tribute to her and people continue to hold tributes to her. And I'm, I'm hoping that people still will. What a total and complete badass. Yeah. And like among, uh, around 400 human rights advocates, like basically <laughs> a lot of people are like coming back and are just using her as a martyr to get into human rights activism yeah. in Brazil now, which is amazing. And that is the assassination of Malia Franco. A badass. Total badass. It's crazy just to think like, I don't know, society's come so far, but at the same time it hasn't. And that things like that are happening in 2019. Like, I don't know. It's just wild. Yeah, we're still out here getting assassinated just for asking for human rights. Yeah, for asking for like basic decency and basic rights. Oh, man. But seriously, what an incredible woman. Like, what an amazing legacy to leave behind. It, it is like, you you know you did something right when people use you as like, you know what? I'm going to go get my fucking hands dirty. Yeah, like seeing that the people are like, well, now I want to dive in. Like, this cause is worth it and it's worth that. Like... That's incredible. Like, she got her hands dirty, and now everyone else wants to get their hand dirty, too. Like, God's God's Yeah, it's like an inspiration. That is terrible, though, and I'm sad that she's dead rather than continuing that work. Like, they took her out because she was doing some real work. Like, she could, she was, she could and was affecting Yeah, she was just a force to be reckoned with. That's why she was taken out. Oh, man. I mean, they are lesbianism. Like, that's just... I'm, st- I'm still shook. That should be a day. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's heartbreaking. But I don't know, at the same time, knowing that your life like inspired that kind of change and that people are carrying on your legacy and kind of avenging you in their own ways is validating. Yeah. yeah. Like you didn't die for nothing. You made you. Yeah, for sure. And I hope this next song during our break makes it's <laughs> Segway. Hey everyone, this is Story, and I'm Mars, and And you're watching watching Disney Disney Channel. Channel. Just kidding. Don't sue us, please. We're two best friends who love horror movies, and we're here to talk about Gore Friends, our podcast where we take deep dives into horror films. From the folklore to the gore, we talk about cinematography, themes, and the stuff that terrified us, all with laughs along the way. So if you love horror movies, or even if you don't, we have fun discussions, pop quizzes, and horror-themed widgie-rathers on our social media at Gore Friends. Join our Gore Gang by finding us wherever you listen to your podcast and on Periscope. Later, Gore Friends!
Hey, yo, you call yourself being rude to me? Fuck you too, you little... You little bro... Yo! Ready for Angela to hit us with Wow, her story. what a break it was. Take it away, Angela. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my story is about a white missionary who went to Uganda, and we will just jump right in. So, this woman's name was Renee Bach, and she was a native of Bedford, Virginia, and she went back and forth between the U.S. and Uganda for more than a decade. Um, Eventually, she started a nonprofit called Serving His Children, and they focused on preventative care and treatment for children suffering from malnutrition. And in a 2017 interview, Bach told news outlets that she started the charity in 2008 when she was 18 after a trip to Uganda. And in 2010, she even began the process of adopting a Ugandan girl she met when the child was two weeks old. So... On the surface, this all sounds well and good. You know, she's over there trying to feed these malnourished children and everything's hunky-dory. But recently, a group representing Ugandan parents filed a lawsuit against Bach and her Christian organization, claiming that the woman represented herself as a doctor and characterized her home as a medical facility, causing the death of an estimated 100 children. And this was her home? Like a house? Basically, yeah. Oh, like, girl. It was oh, an organization, no. but it was being run out of a home, and she was claiming it was a medical facility, and it's all a mess. So the lawsuit alleges that Bach was often seen wearing a white medical coat and stethoscope and administering medication to children. She allegedly even took children out of local Ugandan hospitals and moved them to the Serving His Children Treatment Center. And writings from the audacity, the, audacity, the sheer, audacity. sheer audacity of it all. But writings from Renee's own website corroborates these claims. There's passages that read, I hooked the baby up to oxygen and got to work. As I took her temperatures, started an IV, checked her blood sugar, tested for malaria, and looked at her HB count, I was attempting to diagnose the many problems that could potentially be at hand. After doing a search for blood around Gingertown, we found her type and it was a match. We started the transfusion, etc., etc. So... This girl's out here performing blood transfusion. She has no medical training. After the death of their children, the complainants in the lawsuit say they discovered that Bach had no medical qualifications and she was ordered by Ugandan officials in 2015 to stop treating children and shut down her facility in Jinja. But two years later, Bach told news outlets that her facility is still registered with the Ugandan government as a rehabilitation center. So, as far as I know... When it's doing the exact op- opposite of rehabilitating. I know. It's, it's doing the literal opposite. <laughs> You're not helping, honey. You are doing the opposite, doing the most. <laughs> but court documents contain allegations that Box was not a licensed medical practitioner, um, but still, quote, 
unlawfully practiced medicine and offered medical services to unsuspecting vulnerable children. In fact, she only has a high school diploma. So one report states that a Ugandan official personally witnessed Bach give a blood transfusion to a child under a tree. And the report even contains a photograph of Bach inserting an intravenous line into an infant. Affidavits from the complaint. Uh, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> I've seen like qualified professional medics fuck up an IV. So I'm just imagine her like. Yeah, I've had people who can't away. find my vein and giving me like a bruised up arm. This random chick is inserting IVs into infants. Like what? What are you thinking? Under a tree. Under like, a tree. Yeah, out in the world, like not even in a sterile environment. Shit's wild. But affidavits from the complaint reportedly contain testimony from a registered nurse affirming that Bach was observed performing a number of medical procedures. And a former serving his children employee told Al Jazeera that Bach would often cancel medication prescribed by local doctors and implement her own treatments. And when he raised the subject, so she was just coming up with yeah, shit on the fly. Like, oh, need those medications that your doctor gave you let's just try this let's keep this a spin like have you heard of leeches i heard they work like one of those mlm moms you see on facebook like rubbing essential oils on oh, their gosh. psoriasis or whatever they're doing you know what's weird i have not been seeing any posts from anti-vaxxers recently and i think it's because i was gonna out. say because they died <laughs> It finally, and it, it happened quicker than it I thought. Finally it finally caught up to him. Finally caught up. Oh to man! Their kid like sneezed in her face, and that was just it. It's like, yep, yeah, rub some lavender on it, buddy. Measles is. We can get rid of that real quick. Have you heard of goop? Oh God! I love this is a goop household. <laughs> we live and die by the word of goop in this house. But yeah, no, this lady is emphasis on basically die. like the goop of this Ugandan rehabilitation center. I don't know. It's bad. But according to the employee, when he kind of tried to tell the staff and the other employees that like, oh, whoa, this is not okay. They basically said a boss is a boss. Like she can do whatever she wants. She runs the place. So he was like, hey, guys, she's really gooping us up. And they're like, well, you know, you know, goop. Let it happen. You know, good old goop. And she got she's she's tenacious. You know how goop do. An officer from the Women's Pro Bono Initiative stated that it's unacceptable narcissistic behavior for anyone, black or white, rich or poor, missionary or angel, to pass off as a medical practitioner when they are not. And the lawsuit's asking the high court to shut down Bach's organization entirely, um, charging her with violating their right to access adequate treatment, the right to health of the children, the right to life the right to be free from discrimination on the basis of race and social economic standing, and the right to dignity, freedom from torture, inhuman, and degrading treatment. So, Renee. It sounds like she read the fuck out of her. I know. They were like, uh, you. <laughs> she like, she just like professionally just like went in on her. <laughs> As she deserved. Like, thank you. Thank God someone said something. Talk about. Talk about a clapback, shit. It was a read. It was a read if I've ever seen one. (laughs) The library's open. We are open for business here at the Barnes & Noble, and bitch, you are about to get read. (laughs) But anyways, so from the bird's own mouth, Renee Bach claims that, quote, these allegations that over 1,000 children died is absolute lies. I can't rule out the fact that children died like they do at any health facility, but it's not true to say I killed them, which, okay, bitch. 
And because proper protocol... She, she trying she it. is in denial. Um, because proper protocol was not followed in the wake of the children's deaths, it's impossible to say the, ina- the exact number that she killed, but it's thought to be anywhere from 100 to 1,000, so they're not sure the exact number. Annette Kakai, who's one of... So she's like a, a bona fide mass murderer. Like- I know. I know. It's insane. Like, if anybody else went to another country and did that, they would be behind bars. So it's just complete insanity. Oh, instantly. I've seen people go to other countries and, like, get sent Ever see Locked Up Abroad? Oh, of course. Of course. I love a good drug smuggling people have been reality show. And detained for less. Oh, yeah. It's wild. But you got fucking one of you Mary Poppins over here. I know, just like I just get murdering save the children. children. Like you've literally killed a hundred children. What? What is the logic here? <laughs> like I feel like she personally was in a situation. We've seen a meme with a dog sitting in a chair, and like everything oh, yeah. on fire. Oh yeah, like this is fine. This is fine. That's her. It's fine. Everything's great. <laughs> okay, but anyways, so Annette Kai, who is one of the mothers suing, offered this firsthand account of Bach, who she'd taken her son to see because he was underweight for his age. She said, the white lady dressed in a doctor's uniform took my son and went with him to another room. She returned the baby about after an hour and through an interpreter, she asked Kakai to return to the facility the next day. When she returned the next day, Kakai said her baby was put in a car and driven to Kigondalu Health Center IV in Mayuj, another district. Says Elijah was given some milk. We stayed there for two days and they discharged us. She was not given a medical form or any document of the explanation. She says, they didn't say anything. They drove me up to Jinja Amber Court and gave me Shis 2000, which I believe is the currency there. When we got home, the baby became very weak. He died three days later. Those people did something to my child and he died. The woman knew very well that she had no medical qualifications, but she turned the Ugandan children into bodies to experiment on, said Alasso Olivia Patients. If it was a black woman who went to the United States or any part of Europe and did this, she would be in jail right now. So, facts. Yep, facts. Renee Bach has returned to the U.S., though her organization is still operating in other parts of Uganda. She did not appear at her March court date, and her attorneys were able to delay the suit until at least 2020, according to the Ugandan High Court records and the Women's Pro Bono Initiative. So basically, this woman went and played God with a bunch of... Caucasian her way Yeah, out. Ugandan children, and it's just like walking around <laughs> like everything's fine. Like you killed a hundred kids. And it is infuriating. I don't say this often, but she need her ass beat. <laughs> Something like I just. And these are just the. I facts. don't understand like what kind of sociopath it takes to do all of that and then be like, well, these allegations simply aren't true. It's not my fault they died. Like, bitch, you were going around giving blood transfusions to infants, and all you have is a high school diploma, and you don't think you played any kind of part in this? Are you kidding me? Like the mental gymnastics, give her a gold medal. Cause she she's doing some leaps like she's <laughs> like that was a triple axle on ice. I'm in awe right now. Like how can you, like how can you? She is a genuine mass murderer, and she's walking around as if nothing happened. Yeah. I didn't thousands. No, what? I was helping. Guys, look at me. I'm helping. Check out my printers. Just like the white savior complex is real. It's like when those like missionary chicks go to poor countries and they just like photo op with a kid. Uh, she took it to a whole other level and said, photo op with a kid. Now I'm going to help it till it dies. It's just, I get wanting to give like hands-on help, but like found the organization, bring in real medical practitioners and let them handle it. Like 
you don't don a coat and a stethoscope and be like, I'm qualified. No. No, it's. If, I feel like if more people would just learn how to stay in her goddamn lane, <laughs> the world would be a better place. If she would have just stayed in her lane and did what, been, what was in her actual skill set, all these kids wouldn't have died. It's just, it boggles the mind. I don't know. But that's the story of Renee Bach, and... I'll be seeing her in hell. I sh- something. Like, I just... My mind was blown reading about this. I... I can't comprehend it. I really can't. Again, she just need her ass beat. (laughs) (laughs) Plain and simple. Well, like at the least have like a couple of the moms shoot that shoot that fair one with her. Well, in some of the other articles I read, like her mother's like defending her and being like, she did nothing wrong. I'm like, okay, you are the reason she is like this. Like. She's clearly never had to take responsibility for any of her mistakes. Yeah, because, you know, her mom probably covered her ass for every small thing. Yeah, it just... Her mom, you know what? Her mom made her ass beat, too. (laughs) Now she's getting beat up behind her daughter. Because she wants to say some stupid shit. This is what happens when your parents are never willing to look you in the eye and be like, you're fucking up. Like... (laughs) Or even at the latest, this ain't for you. Yeah, like, honey, maybe a new path. Like, this is what happens when your parents are too supportive of your dreams. Like, I remember as when I was a kid, I wanted to be a chef. And I, I made, like, a bunch of French toast for my mom. I was like, oh, try these. She got, like, two bites in and was like, you know what? Maybe cooking isn't. You know what, honey? <laughs> I believe that God has a plan for you and a path for you. This, yeah. not it. He always do. This ain't it. This ain't yeah. it, Chief. But we're gonna find your, we're gonna find that thing together. But keep that, keep the same energy and put it to something else. Well, and I know that they say this like you can do anything if you put your mind to it. That does not go for being a doctor. Like you straight up just no, need to go to medical school talent. for that. Much. <laughs> yeah. Like you straight up gotta learn that. That's not something you're like with a little can-do attitude and some Google. Like it's not like teaching yourself to play guitar. That's not how it works. <laughs> you, yeah, you can't learn this on a way. It's just like, oh dear God. But anyways, that is the heartbreaking story of Renee Bach um, and the Serving His Children Rehabilitation Center in Uganda. You know what? If I was a judge, you know, no, no, I can't. I can't do it because my sentence would be be her ass. <laughs> Right middle court. <laughs> like I would I would hit the gavel and he'd like beat her ass. In the Andre Court of Justice. <laughs> yeah, and my, all you get is a backhand. No, my court of justice. You, all, you you better square the fuck up, bitch, because <laughs> you earned this one. Yeah, it's whew, whew, it's wild. I mean that was it. That was that was wild. So uh I guess we can close it up now. Plugs gonna be plugging uh twitter murder bruh facebook bruh's a murder instagram bruh's a murder check us out on those subscribe like and review anything else and um i would just say please for the love of god if you're going to open a hospital of any kind go to medical school i don't care if it's in uganda yes that's my word of advice for the week and if you don't i'll I'll beat your ass. <laughs> Just be prepared for the whooping that's going to come with it. That's all we're saying. And you know what? Hey, if you if you got if you got love in your heart, and you want to do some right thing, go out and fucking run for your local offices. Yeah. Guess what? There's a lot of bad shit happening. It'll be some good people to change it. I'm not smart enough to do it. <laughs> I can admit that. 
My online shitposting history there, prevents me from engaging any kind of public from, office, yeah. but... <laughs> I have too many opinions online. <laughs> I get into too many arguments on Facebook for it to be a viable career for me. But for you, get out there and do it. You can do it. I believe in you. Yeah. And if someone gets in your way, call me, because I'll beat their ass. Anybody- <laughs> the fists are coming out this week. <laughs> <laughs> so once again I am Andre Matthews I'm Angeline and this is Broads of Murder Broads bye of murder. bye <laughs> <laughs>